What's up, Sober Family? Welcome to I Kissed Alcohol Goodbye, the podcast where we break up with booze together. This is a show for newly sober people who want to stay that way and find community while they're at it. I'm your host, Dana Krall, and 130-some days ago, I ended my relationship with alcohol. And next to me in the studio is Al K. Hallfrey, my co-host and spirit animal for sobriety. Our guest today is Carrie Hooper, an executive assistant in Southern New Hampshire, an area that I got to know when I attended Southern New Hampshire University's, uh, one of their writing programs. It's called SNU, in case you're not in the know. S-N-H-U gets pronounced SNU by the cool kids up there in New Hampshire. Anyway, Carrie and I are both 42, and today we're going to be talking about how in the world we're actually going to not drink for the rest of our lives. And so you saw the title of the episode, maybe when we're 80, I'm going to say, welcome, Carrie. Tell us a little bit about yourself and then tell us how you uh, came up with this idea for this episode. Well, you didn't know it was going to be an episode, but when you told me it, I was like, we need to make this the topic of the episode. So welcome. Dana, thanks. Thanks for having me. Hi, Owl. Yeah. So I'm in Southern New Hampshire, which I guess is I didn't know before this podcast that Dana had spent some time in the area. So a little ironic is that I, I had told her, <laughs> no, it's okay. Maybe I probably forgot. Anyways. So I'll tell you a little bit about myself, I guess, to start. So I am 88 days alcohol free today. So I'm hoping by the time this airs, maybe I'll be a hundred days or close to a hundred days. So feeling really good about that. I have two kids, six and seven. So we were camping in the White Mountains last weekend, and we were having dinner at a restaurant one night, and I had my alcohol-free beer, and a couple sat down next to us. They were much older, probably in their late 70s or 80s, and the husband, I heard, order a margarita, and then the wife ordered a Diet Coke, and I thought to myself, huh, (laughs) is that going to be me? That's really, I'm really never going to drink again. And I thought, well, maybe when I'm 80, like if I make it to 80, 85, I don't know, maybe at that point I'd want to have a drink. But I think the topic of forever is so hard when you're first starting out. When I started on another plug for reframe, when I started on reframe, I was on the cutback track as many of our fellow Reframe friends were, and took about four months to decide that I really just needed a big break from drinking. So I decided at the beginning of April that I would do a 30-day challenge because I've heard people in the past say, oh, I just did a month off. I did my sober, you know, October, and now I can just have one or two on the weekends and I'm fine. And I thought, that sounds great. I'll take a month off and see how I feel. So my goal was to only do the 30 days because any more than that just seemed so unachievable at the time. But I think within about two weeks of being on that 30-day challenge, I was like, this is so much better than my life before this. So I would like to not drink for the rest of my life. But that is such a hard thought to comprehend when you're in those early days of sobriety that you just have to kind of go back to the one day at a time. And now that I'm 88 days into my journey, the thought of forever isn't actually quite as daunting when you start kind of stacking up all the things that I've gained in my 88 days of sobriety. So tell us a little bit about what got you to the point where you wanted to take that 30 day trial, 30 day free trial or whatever you want to call it yeah. on not drinking, you know, cause we had, um, you know, 41 ish years before that point. So what, cause again, Carrie and I are very, very close on the timeline of when we stopped drinking. And so I'm super curious to hear what your first 40 years were like with or without booze and how it got to the point where you felt like you had to remove it from your life. Sure. I didn't have my first drink till I think I was a junior in high school. And it's one of those things where whoever snuck it from their parents, I think I was drinking like Jack and Coke and just got extremely shit-faced. And I don't remember how I got home, but I remember waking up the next morning feeling awful and hoping that my parents (laughs) wouldn't find out. So in high school, I actually, when I was a senior in high school, I was actually very friendly with some of the younger grades through some of the activities I was involved in. 
And so I was the only one that could drive of that group of friends. So I was always a designated driver. So I wouldn't go to a lot of parties, but when I would go to parties, I typically didn't even drink because I was always the DD. And then when I got to college, I started experimenting a little bit more, but I mean, I had no tolerance when I went to college because I didn't drink much in high school, (laughs) should have kept it that way. And then even in college, it was like, yeah, I drink Thursday nights and Saturday nights, but I wasn't drinking all weekend, you know, and yeah, I'd get blackout a few times, but it wasn't really until I maybe in my late 20s, early 30s, that it probably started to become a problem. And I can't really pinpoint at what point it maybe was started to become unhealthy. Like I think it was the normal, like go out on the weekends with your friends and have a few drinks, but I was never like following up on Sundays with mimosas at brunch. Like that didn't start until later in life. So I haven't shared this before, but I will now because, you know, I feel comfortable in this company, but, um, When I was 30, my brother passed away from a heroin overdose. And I don't even realize that I was using alcohol to numb that until like now I reflect back on it. And it was like the first thing that I did when I got that call was go to a bar. I went to a bar and sat there all fucking day and drank. And the next day and course lights before his wake and getting wasted after his funeral. Like, I don't even know that I knew I was doing it to numb anything at that time. So I guess that's probably when things started being difficult for me. And then a few years later, I had two miscarriages and I probably self-medicated at that point too. And then I really just, I wanted to have a baby and we were having trouble conceiving again. And so I went on some fertility medicine and was drinking, even though I shouldn't have been. And my anxiety just got super bad during that period in my life. Like, I think I shared on the call last night that like I was getting all this like numbness in my hands and my feet. And I thought, well, there must be something super wrong with me. And it ended up just being anxiety. So anyway, at that point in time, I'm sorry, this is going on forever. Um, I went to, no, no, don't be sorry because this is very powerful. Please keep going. Please don't, don't stop. Okay. So after I found out that I didn't have a brain tumor or something seriously wrong with me, I went to a therapist and she actually really helped me unpack a lot of that trauma. And I was actually, I think I actually processed my brother's death and my miscarriages in a healthy way when I was in my early thirties. So I don't actually think I, well, I don't think I've carried that with me up until now, but maybe I have somewhat. So Anyways, then we had kids and I wasn't really even drinking too much when they were really little. Like I, I can remember that I would probably go through two bottles of wine on a weekend only when they were really little. To me, that means I probably had like three glasses a night, which doesn't seem terrible, right? It wasn't until they got to be like three or four where I started drinking now on Thursday nights and maybe adding a couple in on Sundays And it's just like the whole mommy wine culture, which we could do a whole entire episode on that. But, oh, I I got through the whole day with my kids, so I'll I'll have a drink to celebrate. You know, it's been a long week at work. I'll have a drink to celebrate. So, you know, I was drinking more than I should have probably. And then when COVID hit, as many of us did, we started drinking every single day. Because in the beginning, we thought we were going to be home for two weeks. And there was all these funny things like, do you want to start drinking at noon? There's nothing to do. There's nowhere to go. So, you know, five o'clock turned to four o'clock and four o'clock turned to three o'clock. And the next thing you know, on the weekends, it's starting at 11 with mimosas, with your friends, with your little pod. And um, it just escalated from there. I was just drinking too much. And then that went on for what, almost two years. And then after Thanksgiving in November, I was like, I woke up feeling like such shit. I was like, I have to do something. I am so tired of waking up tired. I'm so tired of feeling like shit. I'm tired of not remembering everything. I'm sure everyone that's been around me is judging me. So Reframe popped up in my Instagram feed. I feel like they must do some kind of reverse targeting where they target people that follow a lot of breweries or wineries or something. So I thought I'll download this and I started it with the idea of trying to cut back in November and then December hit and I went to Miami on an all expenses paid trip and drank all day there and then came home and we had COVID and we gave it to our kids and then we were home again for Christmas, couldn't see any family and I was just drinking every day through December and then in January I was like, I really have to stop this. So I thought, 
I asked my friend, I'm like, do you want to do a sober, a dry January? And she's like, yeah, but I mean, football's on, you know, we're in New England, we're huge Patriots fans. So, well, we're not going to not drink on Sundays because football's on. So anyway, so it was three months of trying to cut back and some weeks were good. Some weeks were bad. But when I looked at it over the course of a month, I still thought 60 drinks a month. is just not okay. So I decided at the beginning of April, I was just going to do the 30 day challenge. And that's led me to now being 88 days alcohol free. So that's kind of what led me to this point. It's an awesome story. Awesome because you're willing to share it. I mean, there's so much heavy heartbreak in the middle there. That's why I don't want to say awesome like that. It's awesome that you persevered through all that, that you found a way, found a, a why. And tell me about your kids, because I know as I've gotten to know you over the last few months, you know, I know that you're, I think, most passionate about your children. So tell us about them and about any other reasons why, in addition to what you already said, which is like, you just wanted to be nicer, you wanted to be more present or these kinds of things. But like, tell us about your kids and your family and, and how stopping has made a difference for you. Yeah. You know, obviously there are a big reason why I'm going to actually maybe start crying. I think I realized that I would put them to bed on Saturday night and probably reeking of alcohol. And I would probably pass out before they were asleep. And as I was leading, knowing I needed to cut back, being very sober curious, knowing I probably should quit. I was like, I do not want this to be what they remember growing up is their mom reeking of smelling of alcohol, being silly, you know, falling down the stairs, which happened once or twice. I just, I don't want that to be what they remember about me. And I'm not going to coin this phrase because I heard it on a podcast recently I think it might've been the Bradley Cooper Smartless episode where he said, I don't want my kids to have to recover from their childhood. And that's kind of oh, yes. sticking with me also. So, you know, they're a big part of my why, obviously. And I didn't realize it at the time when I quit, but I realize it now is when we started in COVID, we had, we have our very close friends and um, we would, they had a pool. So we would go to their pool every Saturday and we would day drink and we would swim and we would play beer pong. And I can tell you the summer of 2020 has, I couldn't tell you if we played beer pong one time or we played beer pong 12 times. It's all just kind of fits, just it's kind of all merged together. But we have pictures of the kids, you know, practicing beer pong and we thought it was so funny. We're like, oh, they're gonna just be so great when they get to college. And now it's like, that is so not a good example to set. You know, and like my favorite songs would come on the radio and I would do my like sexy dances. And now a few weeks ago, one of them came on and my friend was like, what are you doing? And I was like, there's, why aren't you dancing? And I said, well, there's kids here. And he said, that wouldn't have stopped you before. And I said, well, I'm a little bit more mindful now of the example that I'm setting for them. Yeah. You know, I hope that they grow up in a world that is, because I think we see this already with the millennials is that they don't drink as much as us in our, I don't know, for what are we, Gen Z right. and X or whatever. Some of them don't drink as much as we do. Yeah, so we're right? kind of on the edge of, you and I are on that fulcrum of like Gen X and because if you're in 79 and I'm early in 1980, we're we're like the oldest millennials, the youngest Gen Xers. We sort yeah, of don't zennials fit. So like I always say, Xenio, there you go. That's a good way to put it. I had not heard that before. I'm going to use that from now on. Um, so props to whoever coined that one. But yeah, I'm thinking about our kids and whatever, hopefully the world that they grew up into when they're 42, like you and I are, because our kids are roughly this, our younger ones are, I think, the same age and 30, 35 years from now when they're our age and we are hitting 80 because we took care of ourselves and we didn't continue to put poison in our body yeah. <laughs> constantly between them. And and my family, the guy, the oldest male that I know of and my family is my uncle who is still alive and he's 72. And that's the longest any crawl male has made it that I'm aware of. Wow. So I, I'm like, okay, I've got 30, you know, I know it's theoretically possible for a crawl male to make it 30 more years. But yeah, I would love to get to 80 but the thought of getting there is so overwhelming. So let's like revisit that because I think it's so important. It's one of those reasons that I think we can use to not stop drinking in the first place. Well, it would be too hard to like, we think about forever. And so we don't even think about now. Right. Is that, is that right? Yeah. I think 
right now I'd like to say I, that I don't ever want to drink again, but I have no idea what's even going to happen this afternoon. I have no idea what kind of trauma is waiting for me yeah. ahead. I, I don't know. So all I can focus on is the decision that I've made today. And today I'm not going to drink. I hope <laughs> it's really hard. And in, in the beginning of the 30 day challenge, it was very hard to think about forever. It was I, it was just too overwhelming to imagine never drinking again, like never drinking again. Like, but I love drinking. And then you realize over time, like, I don't really know what I loved about drinking. Cause when I actually think about the thought of like getting a buzz, I'm like, I don't even like that feeling. Like, I don't know. My advice to anybody is like, you really can only think about this moment and you can't worry about if you're going to drink or not drink in the future, because it's just one more thing in your head that you have to, you know, <laughs> worry about mentally. And we all have enough going on, right? Yeah. I've been fascinated by this same experience or a very similar one where I think about drinking now and I go like, I'll want to drink, but then I'll actually think about what it would feel like to drink and what that would feel like in my head. And right. I'm like, I, but I don't actually want that now, but that was what I wanted before. I wanted that buzz, but now I don't, the thought of being buzzed or whatever and feeling that numbness, I think Aureli talked about in our discussion in ep season two, episode two, she said, it's like living life in HD. And now I feel like I am seeing things so much more clearly and feeling things so much more clearly, yeah. even the bad stuff, unfortunately. Yeah. But it's like, I don't even want that. Did Have you found that strange? Because I feel like that's really strange. I, I thought I would be pining for a booze. I know. I mean, maybe I was a little bit in the beginning, but so when we were camping last weekend, you know, it's like this very family focused campground. It's, it's kind of glamping. So it's a little bit fancier, but they have like, you know, all these activities for the kids to do and all the parents just show up, you know, with a drink in their hand. And I want, that's another thing I want to talk about a little off topic, but no one ever puts their drink down. It's always in your hand, right? Isn't uh -huh. I think that's part of the problem. It's like, it's just so easy. Anyways, it's something I've been noticing. So when we got there the first night and, you know, people go down to the beach and they've all got a drink and I was a little bit like, God, I wish I could just be one of those people and have like one or two drinks. Yeah. And then I said, yeah. wait a second, how do I know they're only going to have one or two drinks? Maybe they are going to have eight, nine or 10 and wake up feeling like shit tomorrow. I shouldn't assume that everyone here has a healthy relationship with alcohol. So that kind of reframed my thinking. And then one of the nights we were sitting around having like all the adults, there was like a magic show and all the adults were sitting around at their little tables. So, and I started really looking around at everyone and I saw a couple, it was probably 5 PM and they had an empty bottle of rosé on their table. And I saw the wife go back into the little shop and come out with another bottle. And I was like, that would have been me crushing like two bottles of wine before the sun even went down and just feeling like awful and like we're here to be present with our kids and to create memories for our kids and you know back to what you were asking about before it's like every time they would if I was drinking ask me like oh mommy can you play with me can you push me on the swing will you, will you play soccer with me it's like no mommy's relaxing mommy's relaxing and now it's like right. they're only this little once and they just all they want is a little bit of attention so now, okay, I'll get up and I'll go play the soccer game with them. And I, I mean, I won't push them in the swing because they're just too old for that. But instead of just saying I, I get to not drink, think about all the things you get to do because you're not drinking. I get to put my kids to bed without a buzz. I get to have an adult conversation and remember it tomorrow. This kind of goes back, but I realized that like I'm having conversations with people that I never would have spoken to before. Like the oh. first party I went to probably at like seven or eight weeks sober, I talked to a group of people that were drinking that I, I never would have spoken to before because I would have been, you know, just up there playing the beer pong and doing whatever. And I'm like, I'm actually having like genuine conversations with people and learning about them and learning about their families that I, and I remember it all. And I don't, you know, maybe I would have talked to them at this party, but I probably would have had that like, well, but my drink's almost gone. And are they going to judge me if I get another one? You get to gain so much so much. It's just, it's been incredible. So 
Um, I just want to thank you for the podcast because I think I jumped on your women's roundtable like two weeks into my 30 day challenge. I was like, yeah, this is, this is wonderful. So, and I totally um, forgot to mention that you've already been on the show and (laughs) that that was one of my favorite episodes. Such a rambling mess back then, but, um, (laughs) it's been wonderful. I'm a rambling mess right now. (laughs) There are so many moments that I've, noticed that I was not fully present for, or I was just missing altogether because I was hiding and drinking alone. And I, the way I justified it was, well, I'm doing, I, I migrated more towards the, the worse I drank, the later and later at night or earlier, earlier in the morning it got so that I could do it alone. And that's how I justified not doing it as much around that. Well, I'll only have a few around the kids and I won't be anything more than buzzed or whatever. And yeah, I, I have the same experience too. I'll see other people who are having a drink and I'll think, man, I wish I could just be like that and just have one or two, but we don't actually know what is going on there. And I'm not trying to like say I'm out, like I'm watching you people. I bet you got a problem too. It's not like that. It's just, I was maybe not great at hiding it, but at least in public, it would be like when I did behave (laughs) or whatever in public, on a date night and have a drink or whatever, then nobody really knew except for my wife that, you know, this is actually an issue. And I don't know what my point is here, except to say, it's just so funny that we grow up and here we are, we're in the middle of life and we are supposed to be all grown up and knowing things by now, but we still kind of act like our kids. I still kind of act like a teenager in a lot of ways. And so I can't even worry about getting to 80, like maybe, maybe till 80. What about maybe, what about 42? Like I'm just 42 and I'm trying to do this now, like without the beer. So forget 80. Like, I just want to worry about like this year, I've got kids in the house and I've got stuff that I want to do and I want to do it without my head being foggy. So now who's rambling? You didn't ramble. I'm rambling. So like, Tell me about what a difference the the Instagram communities made for you because you set up this wonderful Zoom last night and as I'm like making tacos, I accidentally left my microphone yeah, yeah. on. I got a hot mic and I was like, "Hey, make sure they've got cinnamon twist in that bag." And so you piped in, or somebody's like, "I want some cinnamon I twist right yeah. now." So, <laughs> you set up this great Zoom where like like I think ten of us ended up getting on, and I'm just like making quesadillas and listening to ninety five percent of it, and I texted in between when I could in the chat, but we've got this little pod of people. You mentioned pods before from the pandemic, but like, what about a sober pod? What difference has this sober pod made for you in the last 88 days? Or by the time this airs, like you said, hopefully it'll be a hundred. I wouldn't be 88 days sober without that community that you so graciously created. Reframe has been amazing at creating a community with, you know, daily calls and weekly calls. But, you know, those are at scheduled times. So on these rogue Instagram groups we have, we just have people that we can check in with at any point in the day. I don't even know how many people are on our Ohana Posse Instagram, but there's always someone you check in with. I think it's almost 30. Instagram groups have a max of 32, including the admin. But I think we're at like 29 or 30 people. But there's probably like about half of that number that are active every like every single day. That is that I've got a few of the groups that I'm in. And that is by far the chattiest and whenever there's something going on. Like as soon as I'll type something in there, it's like seen by so-and-so, seen by so-and-so. So I know even if nobody responds right away, like it's been seen, I know that I've been heard already. So when I'm having a rough time, I've gone in there on a couple of my deep, dark moments and been like, Hey guys, I'm over this. And then, you know, immediately people, everyone swoops in. And when someone's having it, or we had a couple of our members hit a hundred days in the last day or two. And it, we just, everybody's celebrating that together. And it's like this little family. It's like Elmer said last night when, and he's, you know, episode three guest for season two, like Elmer was saying, he talks to some of these people, some of us in that group more than he talks to 
people that he's like supposed to be closer to. hundred uh, percent. Right? I don't even think I, I, Is that what it's like for you too? Yeah. I mean, last night we put the kids to bed and I just like got on my Zoom and I was like, good night to my husband. <laughs> I'll be here with my friends. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's hard because, you know, a lot of my friendships, I mean, what we do together is drink. We would meet for happy hour before we pick the kids up, which sounds so awful when you say it back, right? And we'd get together and we would drink. So, and for those of them that don't think they have an unhealthy relationship with alcohol, I think it's, they're like, but you, but you're fine. You, you're functioning. You, you have a job, you take care of your kids. You don't have a problem. And so maybe it seems that way from the outside, but only I know what I actually feel like on the inside. And I am the only one that gets to hear all the turmoil in my head and all the thoughts that I have that are dark. When I wake up on Sunday mornings with a hangover, some of those thoughts are really dark. So it's just nice to have a group of people like-minded that have similar struggles, possibly similar stories. And just to be able to share with them. I mean, there's a few of us, I don't want to name names, but you know, there's one person and we have like kids a similar age and we've talked about maybe our support systems at home. And, you know, a lot of stuff is, there's a lot of common themes between how people's support systems outside of our Instagram group is. And, you know, most of my friends are still drinkers. So it, I can't really even talk to them about this. So sometimes I actually feel like I'm leading a double life. Like I've got my regular friends that I see and my husband and my kids. And then I've got my Instagram family that are really, really seeing the real vulnerable side of me that, you know, not everyone else is seeing. So I think that's what it is. It's, it's opened us up to be vulnerable, to talk about things that we wouldn't typically talk to other people who don't really understand why we've made this decision. And I think that's part of it is, yeah. you know, people that just don't recognize how hard to, like what a problem we think we had. Um, I'm just thinking of an example where I went away with on a work trip about, I, yes, I hit a thousand hours while I was there. So it was six weeks in and, you know, I wasn't drinking and my boss was like kind of asking a lot of questions and kind of like none of your business. And I was venting about it to one of my friends over text. And she's like, well, people are just a little bit concerned because, you know, you've always been drinking. I'm like, what are you concerned about? And, and she doesn't know. She just she just used the word and she doesn't know that it was like so harmful to me because I'm like, you shouldn't be concerned about me. So I don't know. What an interesting word choice. It really really bothered me. And then I just had to let it go and be like, she just doesn't. It's like the same thing with my husband saying something about someone being an alcoholic. I'm like, you can't say that word. (laughs) We don't like that term, you know, Uh, but they just don't know. They just don't know. So I don't know. It's been tremendous. This Instagram group. I would not be, I would not, I would have given into probably a lot of temptation if I didn't have an accountability group really. Yeah, and we talk about being in each other's back pocket, but that's literally what it is because, you know, we'll have friends that are going into, one of our friends went into a job interview and she was nervous. So it was, she wasn't worried about drinking before or during for the interview, but it was just regular life stuff. She's like, I'm, I'm really nervous about this. And then, you know, we were all keep us posted. And then, you know, this, we get to celebrate when she got offered the position, which was not a surprise because she's phenomenal. She is. Uh, but when people are going into these party, they'll be going to a party or a wedding or a rock concert or something with uh, someone, some context that they know there's going to be temptation yeah. and they're scared. They're not scared. They're, they're rightly concerned. I think it's kind of like akin to what you said about, well, I hope I don't drink today or I hope I don't drink for the next 12 days till I get to hundred days. It's not like you walk around like in fear, but you always walk around with this awareness, this, this vigilance of like, I'm capable of anything. And so having someone, having not just someone, but a group of people in your pocket on this magic little device thing here has been game changing for me because I know I can reach out to any of you at any time. And I, as you're talking, I'm realizing 
that, you know, part of me uh, trying to scale this podcast into something bigger than just the amateur uh, sort of, hey, I'm going to do a podcast and have fun kind of thing is I want people to experience what we experience in that. And, you know, I'm trying to figure out, is there a way to do the podcast where I can monetize it in a way that I feel like is ethically okay, that I'm not like taking advantage of my, well, I don't know. This is the kind of crazy things that go on in my head. But one of the things that I've said I want to do, the podcast uh, mentor that I have is very graciously set up this Facebook group for podcasters. And there's like 3,000 podcasters that are members. It's totally free. He shares all kinds of content free. And so in following his example, what I want to do is help teach people how to set up their Instagram groups because it's very easy or and or and maybe and they can join a group for the I Kissed Alcohol Goodbye podcast audience. So I'm going to be doing that on Facebook. I'm in the process of standing that up and I may get to the point where I can do it on Instagram too. Um, and I'm hoping that by the time this episode is released, I will have in the show notes, hey, here's where you go to do this, but it's going to be called the I Kissed Alcohol Goodbye podcast audience family, or uh, I'll get the verbiage exactly correct yeah. in the description, but that's a Facebook group that anybody can go and join and just be connected to other people who listen to this show so that you can find out that whether you're like a 65-year-old white dude from Minnesota or you're a 31-year-old African-American female in, I don't know, Nashville, where, wherever, yeah. like you're going to find that you have something in common with so many people from across the country. I mean, we've got people in there from California to New Hampshire, where you are. I'm in Ohio. I'm trying to think of where one of the other groups, a guy is from Minnesota. He's not 65, but like yeah. there are people from everywhere. Yeah. And so I want to help yeah. people get connected. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a game changer, you know, because I think like the only thing that like I would have known about to try to like meet other sober people is alcohol. It's anonymous. And I don't, that's not something I'm interested in right now. So just to thought, just to make a connection, because it's, it's hard to make in-person connections when everything in life revolves around alcohol. It's you know it's just hard to to find other yeah. to find other people. So yeah, so it's been it's been a game changer. Well, and there are natural extroverts like me who it's that's sort of second nature to me to like, hey, let's start a party. Hey, let's have a party. Let's okay. you know let's. Let's all chat. And like, I just start inviting, I just damn the torpedoes and I just do stuff. But then there are people like you who are not natural extroverts, but yet who in sobriety have done more extroverted things. And again, I want to reiterate being extroverted is not better. It's just in terms of connection. Very often it's the extroverts who start the connections so that introverts can feel safe yeah. enough to come and share who they are in a more intimate way. And so there are people like Carrie who have stepped up and done things like that zoom call with our Ohana posse last night, one of the Instagram chat groups. And again, like at least 10 of us, I think got onto that call and were able to just zoom together. And so it's great. The reframe app is great because there's a forum that you can go on 24 seven and say, I'm having a craving or I slipped or what the hell is this reframe app all about? Or how can I make it till I'm 80? Or, you know, all these questions that anybody has and you can immediately have people respond to you, but it's not as intimate. You don't know who right. you're going to get of the right. hundred some odd thousand subscribers there. So this gets you connected with like a much more manageable group of you know, the army guys. I mean, it's like a platoon sized element. <laughs> uh, it's like 30 or fewer people or really even down to like a squad. It's like your sober squad and your close knit family. Cause even inside that, I've got a text group of several uh, sober sisters that I text with every day. So there's like concentric circles of like, yeah. I've got the reframe thing, which is really big for the app. I've got the Instagram chat. Well, and then we've got the daily zoom calls, which is about 150 people where yeah. we see a lot of the same people every day. Then we've got the Instagram chat that's like 30-ish, and then I've got a text group. And that all came out of the app. That all started with the big overarching thing and has kind of like gone down. And then I've developed these one-on-run relationships okay. with friends like you, really a family, like your silver sister, like you're my sis. <laughs> and like, I don't care if that sounds weird to people who are listening to this because until you kind of like get to know people like this, these are the kinds of friendships that I've been really – wow, I've needed them. And I was telling you guys on the call last night in between tacos and cinnamon twists, I, I messaged like, I am so thankful for all of you because 
last year I had given up and this winter certainly had given up on people. And so y'all have restored my confidence that close relationships are possible. And oh my God, I'm rambling here. No, I'm crying. So I'm going to let you get away <laughs> awesome. edgewise. Yeah, same thing. I even just joined another group. I think it came up on maybe the women's call on Kula's call last week about there's like a June Fit Club. And I was like, I want to join the June Fit Club. So now I've just got a bunch of, it's all female. Um, every day we talk about what our workouts are, what we're doing that day to move and take care of ourselves and what are we eating for nutrition. And it's been awesome. It's been awesome. Except that they're very focused on orange Orange Theory Fitness and I'm not. So I got really into exercise a few years ago and I think it was mostly to like try to like burn all the calories that I was drinking, which is so such a silly thing to do. But but anyway, so now that I'm really healthy, um, <laughs> I've been like super focused on my weight, which isn't my weight's not an issue, but I realized and I had to admit and I admitted it to my best running friend um, last week and I said, you know, I think I've kind of replaced an one addiction with another because I'm like getting on the scale every single day and I'm not eating like to fuel myself for the level of activity. So I came clean with that. And then I actually checked in with that group. I said, Hey guys, I'm just putting this here. I need some accountability. I just need to tell you that I I'm a little bit struggling with my food, which has never been an issue for me in the past, but it's just like, it's something that I have control over now. Right. So I just put it out to that group and I just felt safe in an area. I've never met these people and it just felt like a really safe place to share that. And everyone was like, okay, what did you eat today? Tell me what you ate today. Okay. You need, you need to eat more carbs. You're, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's just, it's, it's been wonderful. Wonderful. Like I found myself asking myself recently, or I heard the voice say, are you really going to stay connected to these people for the next like years? Like you're really going to be friends and family yes. with these people for years. And then I'm thinking, <laughs> yes, yes, I, I will. I, I will. It's, have you had that thought too? Actually, very recently I have, I've been like, is this just something that's going to be temporary and is just getting me through the beginning of this journey. And then I'm going to not really need it anymore. And I, and I certainly hope that's not the case because I do feel very connected to to this group and obviously share things with them that I wouldn't even share with some of the closest people in my life. But yeah, I have been thinking about that. And I'm like, yeah, I really hope everybody sticks around. Like, you know, because there's people that are very active and there's people that aren't very active or that become less active. And it makes me a little bit sad. But then I think, you know what? People are trying a lot of different things right now and they're figuring out what works. And, you know, for me, like friendship is very important to me. I'm not somebody that's always had like a big giant group of friends. I've always had like a small close knit group of friends. So to have those relationships is like extremely important to me. So I hope we're still friends in a year, Dana. <laughs> <laughs> we better be. But again, I come back to, oh, well, Dana, is too. this just a phase? Is this just a thing that you're going through? And oh, yeah. I'll hear that voice that says, you're not really going to make it that long, but I, can you really make it till you're even 50? Like, I don't know. I, and I think the answer that I love that you said earlier was you don't, you don't know. You don't know what you're going to be doing next week. You don't know what you're going to be doing later today. You don't know what could happen. And you talked about, you know, some pretty serious losses in your life. And I live in constant fear of something bad happening because of just the way that things kind of went for me in my adult life with the army. And so I want to thank you personally for sharing that stuff because it's reminding me to just come back to today, to just come back to now mm -hmm. and say, I can be sober now. I need to worry about right now. I don't need to really worry, but if I'm going to worry, I can worry about how we're going to wrap up this episode how I'm going to go out and swim after this and buy some more energy drinks, which maybe I can worry about that and my transfer addiction, which I mention every single episode. So I think people are probably <laughs> actually worried about me now with yeah. my, with my caffeine consumption, but you know, yeah. and then I can worry about people worrying about me and then I can worry about things. I, I, there's nothing really to worry about right now, except for just not drinking alcohol today. And I know I can do that because I've done it for a hundred some odd days. You've done it for 88 days. You know that you can, even if the, the craving comes and you want to, you know that you can resist that now because you've built some reps. Yeah. It's hard. Like I have a, we have a wedding. It'll be my first wedding in two weeks. And thankfully my um, sister-in-law 
quit drinking a couple, well, she was kind of off and on and then COVID hit and she started drinking. And so she hasn't drank in probably over a year. So thankfully I said to her, I'm like, we should pack our own non-alcoholic drinks. And she's like, do you think we can do that? I go, oh yeah, we'll just give them to the bartender and tell them to keep them for us. Oh. And she's like, well, that's a wonderful idea. I was like, yeah, I learned that from my friends. <laughs> so, but I'm really not even that worried about it, which kind of scares me a little bit. Because maybe it's a little bit pink cloudy. I don't know. So I just try not to worry about, I mean, I have to plan for these things, right? And plan for these potential cravings. But I can't worry about them because I don't know how I'm going to feel that day. But I'm not going to drink that day. So one of the things that I've done is I joined on a whim. They have these, maybe some listeners have heard about it. They're called Ragnars and they're 200 mile relays. So there's one in New Hampshire that goes from the White Mountains all the way to Hampton Beach. And a girl posted in one of the, one of the New Hampshire women's running groups, Hey, looking for sober runners to join our team. And I was like, I'm in. So, and and part of it was like a little bit, a little bit scary because I don't know anyone, but I thought, well, it's going to hold me accountable for the whole summer to stay sober. And then it turns out that there's this group of, I don't know much about it, but I guess it's called the Phoenix. I've done like one or two virtual classes, but they have active sober communities all over the country that do like hiking and CrossFit workouts and yoga and rock climbing. And um, so we're running for them apparently to like raise some funds. So I'm looking forward to that, but that is something that I'm hoping will keep me accountable until September, at least until September. (laughs) So, and maybe I'll make some new friends who knows. Yeah, and I scheduled a, a small triathlon for myself. I've done a, several half marathons. I mean, if you count all the times I strapped a bunch of weight on my back and ran 12 miles in the army, then I mean, there's lots of almost half marathons and a couple of marathons, but I haven't done a try yet. And I've just fallen in love with swimming in the last five or six years. That's been another, a, a, a much healthier addiction than my caffeine stuff so that it helps me get out some of that stray voltage and helps me sleep better. And so I just signed up for a small, I think it's an Olympic sprint triathlon. It's a 5k or it's a 400 meter swim, 12 mile bike ride and a 5k run. And I'm like, I'm 42. So I, I'm not, I'm no spring chicken now, but I think I can pull that off. Even if my time is terrible, the goal was that gets me through the summer. It's an early, it's in early September and that's something to look forward to in the intermediate term. So, you know, it's not just looking at today. It's thinking like, what can I schedule for myself this, this week, this month, this quarter, maybe later this year is something to look forward to so that I don't, when I start to get wrapped up in like, what about when I'm 56? What about when I'm 78? Like, I don't need to worry about that. I can worry about, okay, I've got this going on today. I've got this going on next week and I've got this going on next month or whatever to keep myself focused in between on then. So it's wonderful that you're finding things that are not only holding you accountable, but keeping you, you know, cause you need to train for it, but they're also going to provide additional potential community for you. Like you you may meet somebody mm-hmm. on this Ragnar that, yeah. you know, becomes a running buddy who mm-hmm. you discover is also sober or who is sober curious and they can learn from you and you'll be able to, you know, share some of this ethos that we've learned from reframe and from each other about caring for one another as a way to be, cared for like it it, you actually get blessed by blessing other people and yeah no i was thinking i and i don't know that i said it but i really want to do a a reframer instagram meetup at some point in time if we just all go like rent a house somewhere in the middle of the woods or whatever and uh be great um yeah i know i was running i'm jumping all over the place but i was running this morning i did a hill workout and my friend met me, in a, which was good because I probably would have just bowed out before without finishing because it's so hard. But I was running up the hill and I was like, okay, I if I can quit drinking, I can fucking run up a hill. Like, come on, <laughs> Gary, get it together. I'm going to save that one. That one's going to be spliced into the episode somewhere because that was a great quote. <laughs> Carrie, thank you so much for joining me today. Tell us, where can people find you on Instagram so that if they want to connect and reach out, they can do that? Yeah, I'm actually thinking about changing my handle, but um, I believe right now it's at khooper1030, like 1030. I'm not out on, on social media with my sobriety. My plan was to be out at 100 days, but I'm not really quite sure why I feel like I need a milestone to do that. Also, I don't know why it has to be this big thing that we have to like 
wonder what everyone else is going to think about it, but we do. I'm like, what's everybody going to think? But it's like, who gives a shit? So, um, <laughs> but we do, yeah, we think about those things. Find, okay. I know. So like this Ragnar, they're trying to raise funds. So they made a GoFundMe and I'm like, well, I can't really share it. Cause then I have to like be on Facebook that I'm like running for the sober group. And I'm like, who gives a shit? Like, just do it. Who cares? You know, because I think, you know, you talked about the introvert extrovert thing. I think I come on here. I mean, it's helpful for me to just talk, but it's also like, I just, if I can help one other person that might be sober curious or feel like maybe they want to change their relationship with alcohol, like that would be amazing because there's just so much more life to live now that I'm not drinking. It's just, I know, you know people are worried that they're bored, but just enjoying the small moments and being present for the little things like playing soccer with the kids or going for a hike and, you know, jumped in like the water that was like 45 degrees the other day, just because, just because I could, because yeah. I was, fuck it. So, um, yeah. Well, you have so, helped this guy anyways. right here. So you've already helped one, but yeah, I'm with you. It's like, if this show, you know, you and I were both worried about like, did we not prep enough for this show, it was more me being worried that I didn't prep. You were fine. Like it was me going, I hope that I'm ready to do a good job of hosting. And you're like, Danny, you'll be fine, but it doesn't need to be perfect. And that's one thing that Aureli said about the show is that she appreciates that it's not scripted and that we do kind of just go with it. And, and I do believe it is a metaphor for sobriety. It's like, we are just, we're kind of building the bridge while we're <laughs> like, as we're going, like Carrie and I don't have this thing figured out. We're both, you know, I'm 130 some days. She's coming up on 90, 100 days. And we certainly don't know how to do sobriety in the 40-year sense, but we know how to do it in the one-day sense. We know how to do it in the four-month sense. Mm -hmm. And we're just taking it one day at a time. And we're just doing it together. I think that's the main thing. Like, you know, on I say it's the podcast where we break up with booze together. It's because the emphasis has to be on the together. You have to find your Ohana Posse Instagram chat group. And again, if you would like to know how to do that, basically just start an Instagram message and then add at least two people. And then voila, you've got yourself a group. You'll just need to click on the little I yeah. with a circle around it in the top right. That'll give you sort of the information that you need as an admin. You can control who comes and goes in the group or who can post or those kinds of permissions and who can add people, but it's very simple. It's so easy that like a Dana could do it. So if you are an extroverted person and you know, other sober people or sober curious people like connect, just start that Instagram chat and say, Hey, I want to have an accountability mechanism, or I just want to have a place to come and talk and be candid about my sobriety. And if you don't have a group like that, let me connect you with one. I'll be creating one on Facebook again. You'll have information in the show notes about exactly where to go for that. And if your Facebook's not your jam, then I will find a way to get you in one on Instagram as well, because I'm just so passionate about people experiencing what Carrie and Elmer, so many of us have gotten to experience, which is genuine community. And anyone who says that you can't experience a true full connection through this magic little box here is is wrong. I remember when I was in the, the army, uh, a senior chaplain said, you cannot, there is no such thing as virtual ministry. Like you can't do a video teleconference with someone and have the same exact and have the same quality of interaction that you can. And I think that COVID has changed that perception, at least for me. Now I feel like I have not yeah. met Carrie in person, but I feel like I know Carrie and I feel like whenever I do meet Carrie in person, it's not really going to feel different than it feels right now. I mean, it will, it will be better to be in the same room with someone. It's always better, I think, but can we achieve a degree of deep connection and true friendship and even family type love with other people? Yes, it's possible. If you've given up on, on humanity and you despise social media, like I did and somewhat still do, <laughs> then Take heart. Like it, <laughs> it's possible. It's possible to do it. So Carrie, before we go, um, what's your parting shot for our listeners who are maybe stuck with thinking about forever? How, you know, well, maybe when I'm 80, I can have a drink, right? But how can they sit with themselves in that space and uh, be encouraged today when they feel overwhelmed by the thoughts of forever? I mean, it's so cliche, but it's just what helped for me was every day I wake up and I say, I'm not going to drink today. Mm -hmm. 
And when that shitty little voice comes up inside my head, I just say, I'm not going to drink today. And I'm not going to question that decision has been made. And I'm going to move on. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but today I'm not drinking. I don't think it's anything new and, and revelational. Is that a word for, for any of your now. listeners? And I'm telling you this, this is what I will say is it's very overwhelming in the beginning, but I would say that once you get through 30 days, I mean, the days just start adding up and then you're looking for the next milestone. I'm like, I know exactly what day I'm going to hit a hundred days. It's going to be a Tuesday. So it's going to be an Akita meeting. So I'm psyched about that. You know, it's like, I already know when all my milestones are going to be. So it feels very daunting in the beginning and you get on these calls and you're like, wow, that person's 88 days. That seems so far away. And I'm telling you, once you start stacking those days, all you got to do is one day at a time, you'll get there and it will, it will come faster than you, than you think after those first few weeks are really hard. And then it will come faster than you think. So, yeah. And we're all on the same day. Like I'm on day 130, whatever, Carrie's on day 88. If you're on day zero, Uh, because you drank or you're on day four or whatever, like we're all on the same day. Like we're all just, you have to do the same thing that Carrie just said, which is wake up and hardwire those new neural pathways and say, I will not drink today. Uh, You just say it out loud. And that is important to say it out loud. You can think it too, but we do need to speak it with our voice. It it fires different neural circuits and Mm -hmm. it starts to rewire your brain so that you start to believe you're not just saying it, you know, you can believe it. I, I think of our son who just, he's been delayed in gross motor cause he was a, a preemie and he is just now just this week figured out how to finally ride his bike. And it's taken a long time of working with him. And I told him when you get it, buddy, like you're going to see, it's not as hard as you think. It's not as scary as you think. And he just kept working at it and working at it. And I'm trying to do this with my boys the way that I never did for myself and I wasn't really taught or if I was taught, I, it didn't internalize it. And I just made him say when he's like, I can't, he was saying, I can't do this or I'm stupid or I'm crappy. I'll never get this. And I said, no, 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 no. Like you are going to get this. And and I made him say it too. I said, say it with me. I will do this. I will be able to pedal twice or whatever. And after he said it, like the next time he did it. And so it, this stuff works, it works and it works it with does. sobriety too. It, it does. Just, we're just riding, we're learning how to ride a new bike. And once we figure out how to do it, we're going to be able to do it whenever we want. And it's not that it's always going to be easy. There will be the hills and valleys, but we're going to make it through together. So Carrie, this was an awesome, awesome episode. I'm really glad that we did this because we almost rescheduled and I was like, nope, we're doing it. We're going to send it. And I'm (laughs) glad we did. Well, thanks again for joining us on I Kissed Alcohol Goodbye. Until our next episode, please like, rate, and review this little show on whatever platform you're listening on. And a reminder that you can watch the video on YouTube or Spotify. Connect with Al and me on Instagram at IKAGBpod or I'm at I Kissed Alcohol Goodbye. And finally, if you'd like to support us for as little as a dollar a month, it's the price of like, I don't know, a cheesy bean and rice burrito at Taco Bell. Uh, hop on over to patreon.com slash IKAGB pod. Would be honored to shout you out as a supporter of this podcast. Thank you so much for listening to I Kissed Alcohol Goodbye. And until next time, Al and I send our, you our best sober vibes and all our love. And we say goodbye alcohol and hello life. Much love and peace.